All I really wanna see is the money. I don't really need the D, I need the money. All I bad need is the KKC. You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Hey guys, welcome back to the pod. It's Bianca. And Chantel. So it's just uh, Chantel and I today. So sorry to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have uh, a really great docket in stock. In stock? Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but before we jump in, uh, we'll just do a quick little check-in and with each other and what's going on. And okay, so... You go first, Bianca. What's new in your world? Um, everything's been pretty like even and chilled out this summer. Just been working and like taking care of myself and trying to heal. Life. <laughs> no, it is. It hasn't been too crazy. Like usually, I'm like gallivanting all over the place and exhausting myself. So I feel pretty like even with normal peaks and valleys. But I think I have to like. I'm so annoying with everyone in my life at this point because I'm like, so do you meditate? Like any complaint someone has, I'm like, so do you meditate? So I have to uh, give credit to the fact that like the only reason I'm halfway normal right now is because I've been meditating every single day. Very Yeah. Um, what does your practice look like right now? Um, I haven't been doing like any specific um, like set every single day. I've been kind of jumping all over the place because I'm really trying to feel out what's really connecting with me. And we were talking off air, but I just did a class yesterday. Um, because you, uh, you guys who listen probably know by now that Chantel and I practice Kundalini. Um, so I did a practice yesterday that was like a heart, a heart opening meditation. And that one really spoke to me. So I think I'm going to do that for the next 40. I'm going to try really hard. It's like an hour and a half. So. Wow. That's a, that's a lot to take on. I know. But it really felt like it felt like when I was doing it in the moment, I just felt so clear and present and my mind was not jumping all over the place to a million different thoughts. Like I wasn't, it was just, I don't know. I just felt like I really connected to myself. So. Beautiful. So what else is going on in your life? Um, nothing. I just been kind of thinking about my move a lot and going to California and all the fear that that brought up over the last couple of months and like stress and really like journaling and tuning in with why that's fear, like creating fear in my body. Cause it's something that I wanted to do for so long. So it's like, because it's becoming real now, that's when all the fear comes up. Cause you talk about these ideas and you're like, yeah, it's going to be cool. And then when you actually have to do it, you get freaked out and it can stop you. Right. Where are you noticing the feelings of fear in my body? Yeah. Like, are you just noticing it in your body or is it coming up in other places like dreams? And I wanted to know that uh, episode with Joseph, the Jungian analyst. So, okay. So it's coming up in my body, in my back, of course, because that's where I hold all my shit. Um, But I've also been thinking about fear as the fear has been coming up because it's like you need that fear in order to protect you to a certain extent, but it, it can also hold you back in so many ways. I don't know why I'm talking about you. It can also hold me back in so many ways, right? Um, from being like, it's like, we all know that there's this person inside of us that wants to come out, but we're scared to let it unleash, if that makes sense. And that's kind of what I've been dealing with lately. Like, I know I have all this potential inside, but I've been hiding or holding it back. 
And I've been thinking about that a lot and just like tuning into what that really means. Does that make any sense at all? Oh yeah, it makes a lot of sense. How do I feel about that podcast? It like I want to go back and listen to it again, but I know like okay, so wait, I've got I I got two in person messages about the podcast, which are always more intense and amazing about that episode specifically, and they were just like, holy shit, dude! Like I had to take breaks and listening to it, not because of the length, just about how intense it was and how much came up for them. Like they were the two girls that um, commented about it were just blown away and also so impressed and amazed by his compassion for you and I and how gentle he was with us and like he was wasn't he yeah yeah you know he was doing some pretty deep work with us but I felt really held in that space what's interesting though is that I didn't feel that in the moment it felt very light like I didn't feel like oh we just unleashed all this shit but you hear it when you listen back but in the moment it didn't feel like it didn't feel like when you do deep work and you're just like oh I'm dead didn't feel like that it felt really light and like amazing I want to go back and listen what about you what did you think about it yeah I felt the same way um I'm I listened to part of it and I couldn't listen to the rest of it why I don't know I just feel like it brought up a lot and um I don't feel ready yet because it does go quite deep but one thing I did notice is um I've just been paying attention to my dreams more. Mm-hmm. And I, um, this is part of my update. So I just went to this retreat in Costa Rica called the Summit of Consciousness with some of my teachers. Uh, we had some of those teachers on the podcast, Tommy and Kia, Suk Devanaka, and then there were some other amazing teachers there. But what was so interesting after we did that podcast with the Jungian analyst is Um, I was really aware of my dreams. And after the first full day of doing like really intense um, meditation and kundalini practices that night, I had this very vivid dream. And um, I woke up in the morning just like, whoa, that dream was pretty intense. Like I I felt kind of anxious from it. And then I went in to do my morning meditation practice, my sadhana practice with the group. And all of a sudden, like the dream came right back to me and it was very clear what it was about. And in this dream, I was, um, I was locking um, all these windows and doors in my house. And it was like, it seemed like it was like, going on for hours where I was like frantically like locking the doors and windows, like I was protecting my house from an intruder. And I felt like really anxious the whole time and there was quite a bit of fear. And what became very clear to me um, in that meditation is like how much energy I was putting into the, the protection. And it was like, that was like a pretty big awareness for me like wow there's so much energy going into this like protecting myself when there's actually nothing even there right that's what i was just gonna ask you yeah feel like at times where you really don't even need to be protecting yeah yeah which is such a huge realization and also something big to confront because when doing that when you don't need to it disconnects you from other people and blocks relationships. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was the first like really vivid dream that I had. And just like after being with that, after being with that, uh, Yumi and analyst on the podcast, like 
I was like, wow, my psyche is like really trying to show me something here. Like how much energy is being wasted being in that, that headspace. So then I go on with my practices and, um, these practices that we're doing on retreat are intense. Like we go into these three hour journeys of like breath work and movement. And you're almost in states that feel like, like psychedelic, you know, like I, I had an experience that felt very similar to when I did ayahuasca through doing this, like this time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was intense. Like these practices are powerful. So doing all these practices all week, I keep having these dreams. The second dream I had was I was at this restaurant and um, there was this mom there with a young child who was about three years old and she was drinking, like she was wasted at the restaurant and she told her kid to go pee on the patio. And I'm like, this is so, this is so wrong. And I wanted to say something to her to like protect the child because the child should not have been in her care. And I was afraid to say something to her because I thought that if I spoke up that like everybody would turn on me. So then I, I was like, whatever. So I just said something to her and then the entire restaurant like turned on me. And so this is my dream. So the next day I go into the practice and um, we go into this meeting after our sadhana practice, and it's it's sort of like a 12-step meeting. Um, they call it a universal 12-step meeting where everyone, you don't have to be in a recovery program, but everyone has an opportunity, if they want, to share whatever is coming up for them. And someone suggested the topic, and the topic was breaking karma. And as soon as I heard that word breaking, I felt something in my stomach where I was like, ooh, like I don't want to break anything. And then all of a sudden, like that dream came back to me and I was just like, holy shit, this, I have this very strong narrative about like being the person that breaks something and then that being bad. Like I'm not obeying if I break something. So it's like this narrative of being good. And, um, then this memory came back to me of, um, this one time I saw this intuitive woman and she was like, I'm noticing there's this, like, there's this really strong script of being good with the women in your family. And it goes back generations. And later that day, I, I was doing some posting for Bumble on my social media for women's pay quality day. And I wrote this whole thing about like, women's pay equality. And I, it went on Facebook and my grandma messages me on Facebook. She's like, be good, Chantel. Like, yeah. don't, don't be, stop ruffling feathers. Yeah. Don't be disruptive. Like be good. Yeah. And then everything just kind of like came together and there was this like deep level of clarity about like how strong this narrative is. Like if I'm not good, if I don't obey, you know, I'm, I'm potentially not going to be loved. And so that's kind of what I was working through. Yeah. And you telling me this, I don't know, this is what comes up for me. What you can see is that your soul really does want you to speak up. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because in obeying and being quiet, I, I just so relate to this. So this is what, why this is coming up for me. I so relate to that. Um, but then also like 
in being quiet, it chips away, like subtly. Yeah. Being quiet. And it's, it's like, it can be something small, but it just like a lot of those small moments add up and can really diminish who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And then I just remembered another thing now, as you were saying that, that intuitive woman who told me that about like the generations of this script of being good, she looked me in the eyes. She's like, Chantel, you can swear all the time. You can like do things that might seem bad and you are still good. You are like good to your core. Fucking right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so that that was um it kind of I like love that though. Yeah. I, I love what she said. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think we can judge ourselves so much for like just letting it out and like really being ourselves because we are good and bad and tired and awake. Like we're all of the things. We're not yeah. just and um that's been something that's been like a reoccurring theme for me this past few months. It's like, yeah. I'm not just one thing. I'm not just like, mm, let's sit and meditate all day. I'm like, yeah. I'm crazy and like ratchet and all the other things too. And like, why not? <laughs> ratchet. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. And I it's think so that true. for so long, I was always like, well, if I'm this, then how can I be this too? And I was always yeah. making myself pick. And I've really been trying to let that go. So I love that you brought this up. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it's funny. I was talking about this last night. Like, you know, if someone was to look at like my Spotify, like suggested playlist, it's like, who, who is this like schizophrenic multiple personality person listening to all these different types of music? Like, yeah. it's like all this like Kundalini mantra music. And then, then it's like hip hop, you know, it's, yeah. and it, yeah, it is okay to be multiple things. But you know, one thing that's really interesting is Anand, who was one of the teachers, he's from India, um, that was at the Summit of Consciousness. He talks a lot about the difference between freedom of conditioning versus freedom of consciousness. So like, as we arrive at a place where we're trying to like, claim, like, claim our preferences, like claim our needs, um, you know, and you were saying like, be who I want to be and speak up for myself. There's also, there's also a, a place that you could be at where you're doing that, which is kind of a little bit chaotic internally. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, he, and Anand talks about this and he talks about how, you know, like when um, they're in India at his place and some people are coming from North America and the girls, like, they want to dress really revealing. But the villagers who live there, they're just like really uncomfortable with that. But then the, the girls are like, I'm free. I'm going to do what I want. And he was talking about how, like, if you're coming at it from that state without like respecting the people around you, like, is that really freedom? Cause that doesn't feel like it. It mm. feels like, so he, he says like this comparison of like the freedom of conditioning versus the freedom of consciousness, like someone who is actually closer to their freedom, they should be fine with being like, I can put on a sweater and cover my shoulders. I don't need to be the one standing out and being like, you know, my freedom is so sensitive that if my shoulders are covered, you're taking away from that. Yes. Yeah. I think what you just said at the end made it click for me too. Yeah. Because it's also about having freedom, but within the agreements of where you are and who you Hmm. are. 
satisfied because there mm-hmm. are agreements that we have in life that we know are there that we don't talk about. Like, yeah, it is agreement to drive 80 miles per hour if that's what the sign says. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, I'm, I'm free now, so I'm going to go 150, so you can't give me the ticket because I'm free. Yeah. Right? So, like, yeah. You make it like really simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that makes. Yeah, it's like there's a difference between being obedient and being respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna, I got to think about that even more. Think about that one. <laughs> I'll let it marinate. Okay, wait. We need to talk about... You sent me this message. I think I screenshotted it. Ooh. You, I'm conflicted on the fantasy addiction thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it, how Bianca wrote it. Who are we without fantasies? They create our reality. Like, I get this message from Bianca first thing in the morning, I think. <laughs> it's like 7 a.m. Like, chill, chill, Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> um, to give some context, should we? Yeah. So, Chantal and I, of course, went to a meeting the night before. <laughs> of course. Uh, what was the name of the meeting again? I always Sex forget. and Love Addicts Anonymous. Right. But so many different things come up. So like so many different addiction topics and everybody shares whatever it is they share. But the thing about fantasy addiction keeps coming up for me and I'm just like Okay, so I'm just going to be really like blunt about it. It's like I don't I just I just I have a really hard time classifying everything as an addiction because Yeah. I understand consciously because I know I have those tendencies too, like where I can just get caught up in this fantasy land all day long, right? Um, anyway, so it just made me think about, sorry, I need to think about my thoughts here. So we were talking about this at the meeting and that came up a few times with a few different people I noticed. Fantasy and, addiction. Yeah, and what that you, means is- Yeah, explain what that means. No, you, I want you to. Okay, okay. So. I guess in the, um, like in the context of a sex and love addicts meeting, when they talk about fantasy addiction, they're talking about um, when you, you basically get into a relationship and you create this entire fantasy about the future orientation of how, where the relationship can go. Or it's like, or you're kind of like dating the potential of that person. Right. Even though that person shows up and he's a total asshole. Right. You're like, but he's got the potential. You're like, you're, you're creating a relationship in your mind based on the fantasy of the potential. No. Right? Yeah. This is my problem. Okay. <laughs> How do you not fantasize about things that you want? Because my fantasies have actually created my reality. Like I have multiple yeah. examples in my life that I have actually, I'm like, I created that in my mind and it happened. Yeah. So this, this is such a good question. And you know, for me, I don't know the answer. I don't, me neither. The, more, the more I know, the less I know. Yeah. Um, but yes. Yes. I would say, I gotta write that. that's the name of the episode, kids. <laughs> the more I know, the less I know. I would say that it comes down to like that feeling of grasping. Right. So, um, yeah, it's beautiful to have a level of future orientation. And I, I think about this all the time too, like our relationship with time, especially in my work with like money, right? Because 
if you don't have any sense of future orientation, you don't have like a vision for what you want in the future, you're probably going to be like an overspender. You know, it's, it's going to lead to some maybe hedonistic behaviors with your money. So like a certain level of future orientation is good. Um, because it helps you like kind of mold your visions and yeah. yeah. So, but I think when it's like at a place of grasping and, and you're, it's being used in a way to escape, right. Versus like you're using it in, in kind of the way that you're describing, which is more of like manifesting a vision for the future. Like thinking about it, creating the feelings that, you know, you see in the future from what you're feeling now when that thought comes into your mind versus like the grasping. And what happens when you grasp, especially in relationship is if I've created this entire fantasy on the potential of someone and he shows up and it's not like the fantasy I created, what happens? I'm disappointed. Right. So I guess what, and I totally, and I get both sides of it. Like I get that you need that part of the fantasy to create yeah. what you want, but then I also get, for me, you can get so wrapped up in it that it's like, that's honey, that's not even close to reality. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to call for me an addiction because it's of the mind. So how do you even break that? If but you all wanted- addiction is of the mind. Yeah, but it's also like, okay, I know I can put that down. Yeah. Right? Like, I can, it's tangible. I can put it down. How do you put something down that's up here if it's a fantasy? Like, that's where I get, tr- I'm like, what the hell? Well, I think it's like, okay, so like, just think of like mantra, right? So we tell ourselves mantras all day. Like, I'm fat. I'm not good enough. I'm this. Like, these self-sabotaging thoughts. Or we can tell ourselves these like fantasy things. So it's like, and it's like what Kia said in our episode about like replacing it with something healthier. I guess where it came up for me, it just reminded me when you were talking, it's like they were saying in the meeting, like you can't use at all. So like if you're an alcoholic, you can't have one drink. But how do you do that with fantasy? Because you Well, need- with some addictions, like if you're a food addict, you can't just not eat. Exactly. Right? So, so I yeah. That's when I get so like... And this is, this is where I think like, um, the whole practice of mindfulness is really important in the world of addiction recovery, especially with some of the addictions that you can't like, like food or like, you know, love addiction. Like you're going to live your entire life, like avoiding love that like, that is actually you being active in your addiction. We call it like sexual and emotional, um, anorexia, you know, so this is where like mindfulness is so important, like mindful awareness of like, am I having this fantasy right now? Because I'm, I'm finding pleasure and I'm escaping pain in this fantasy, yeah. right? Am I taking this drink right now because I'm escaping pain and I'm finding pleasure? Yeah. Am I using my credit card right now because I'm escaping pain and I'm finding pleasure? So if you, if you have the ability to um, mindfully look at that and create space between whatever is going on that, that is driving that desire to escape the pain and sit in the pain and try and understand that pain a little bit more um, and not bypass it, right? Um, I guess that's where for me, I think in going to meetings is really important. 
Yeah. I also think that you have to have a spiritual practice as well, because what comes up for me is that a lot of it is abstaining, but there's yeah. got to be something else too. Yeah. Around, right. Yeah. And why I love meditating or not, don't love it sometimes, but still do it is because it gives you a, a, it gives your mind a space in time where you can break thoughts. Yeah. It's create space. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, when you create more time in between the thoughts, put it, um, simply, then you can actually decipher that they're just thoughts and not actually reality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I guess to answer your question, it's just about the mindful awareness. Yeah. So like, what is this fantasy doing for me right now? What is this? Where is this fantasy taking me away from? Yeah. Y- you know? Yeah. I love that conversation. I want to like, yeah, I love that. Such an interesting, <laughs> so interesting, that one. It's such a good one. Yeah, I actually, because I posted your comments on Instagram and I had some people being like, I'd love to talk to you about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> Don't come here for any answers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> was that even a clear answer that we just said no <laughs> but that's, that's what thing. I love about it too because if there isn't really a clear answer for something like that I don't think like it's no. it really is it really is you know, the, you know the answer is always just go meditate <laughs> yeah that's my only answer for myself should we, should we read this listener letter okay guys so we're gonna do our first listener letter and it was so great because it's right up Chantel's alley, uh, alley. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe this, like, actually just happened like this. Because this is like, I mean, I've just learned so much from you in terms of money and my spending and all my shit that's behind it. Uh, so this is from Chris Lowe. And it says, hi, Bianca and Chantel. Let's talk about, fi-. she gets right into it, by the way. Let's talk financial sabotage. I've been doing this a lot lately, lately, and I don't really understand why, and I'd like to nip it in the bud. For me, this looks like purchasing little things here and there for basically no reason and overspending. Ten bucks here, four dollars here, etc. As I'm writing this, I realize that's not a lot of overspending, but actually revolves around food. No surprise at all that I have a history of comfort eating. Girl... I'm constantly doing this while being fully aware that I have financial goals and that the overspending doesn't help. I can literally hear myself when I swipe the card saying, don't do it, don't do it. But I do it anyway. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Bottom line is I don't, it doesn't make logical sense. And why the answer is simple, just stop spending. I find that it's almost impulsive. I've actually given my credit card to my sister and moved all my credit cards from food delivery apps too. (laughs) So I literally am forced to break the habit. I commend myself for this, but also I am a whole ass adult. (laughs) So I shouldn't be so that, so I feel like this shouldn't be necessary. My question is why do people financially sabotage, self-sabotage when it doesn't make logical sense? Is there a deep rooted issue? So I subconsciously believe I don't deserve financial freedom or something. I've been making a lot of positive changes in my life, life as of late. And I'm wondering if it's, if it's how my mind is trying to cope with these changes, even though they're good changes. Most importantly, how do I stop this habit? Get ready for another three hour episode. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting. The conversation that we just had, all those answers can be applied to this. Um, 
So a couple things with this is like, first of all, Chris, your level of awareness is incredible. Yeah. Like just, let's just stop and acknowledge that for a moment because you're, you're already on the path to breaking these patterns and that's the awareness. Um, I love how uh, she acknowledged, um, like she was able to kind of zone in and it's like, it's food and um, the comfort eating thing. So that's, that's where I was like, bingo, I would kind of, I would focus more on that aspect on it of it versus being like, well, I have these really strong financial goals. So why am I, why am I still doing this? Right? Like, it's, that would almost be like if you go to like a drug dealer and be like, well, you're spending all your money on drugs, so we should like get you to write a financial plan. <laughs> <laughs> What's your drug dealing financial plan is what I want. Here's a budget. Like, let's get you to save for a down payment on a house and that'll fix your like, <laughs> your, dr- your drug habit, <laughs> you know, like... So, so I wouldn't even like focus so much on like the spending part of it. I would focus on the, I would bring the awareness to what's happening when you feel you need to buy the food. I think that's great if I can interject quickly. Yeah, please. The food that she brought up was a small part of the, of the email, but it is the part because you're yeah. using the, food, the comfort and the money is the secondary. Yeah. Part. Yeah. Like, the money is just the vehicle that's like helping you. Yeah. 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 Right? Um, and I think we can all like att- like just relate to that because like if you're having a crappy day and you don't need to be a full-blown addict and go have a bottle of vodka but you can just go get like a chocolate bar we talk about yeah. this all the time yeah exactly uh, yeah feel comfort and then that in turn is making you spend the money but there's a there's the, something below the money which i think is exactly what you're pointing to. exactly that's exactly it and it's like and even if it wasn't food for you even if it was clothes like it's like okay well what are these clothes doing for you you know what it what is this what is why is it that you need to buy go out and buy the food versus making the food at home you know like i would just really spend some time like trying to understand that so ways we would look at that is we would say okay i know i'm trying to soothe myself right now well why why am i trying to soothe myself why why is um this food at home not as soothing for me as purchasing this food. Is it a time thing? Is it, I don't, I don't want to like cook for myself because that's me taking care of myself. Do I not feel I deserve that and I'm worthy of that? So it's like really trying to understand like where, where this, where this is coming from and also know that sometimes it is okay to soothe. Um, but w- when it's like happening, over and over, like she's saying here, and there, and it, there's negative consequences involved, which is, it sounds like the negative consequences that is taking away from her financial goals. Um, then we need to look at it. We need to make some changes. So she said here that she's, she's been really good about, you know, like changes, changes, which is great. And that's another thing too, is we need to know that being disciplined is, is not easy. And we need, you kind of need to change, turn your discipline into more of a devotional act. Well, I love that you just said that because yeah. I was saying it, I was thinking, I'm like, even just the word discipline, yeah. so rigid and hard yeah. that 
it doesn't work. No. And so I wouldn't like, I would use the word devotion. Like you're, you know, like when I get up every day and I do my meditation practice, it's disciplined. I didn't do it today. So I sound like so fake right now. Um, (laughs) It's a whole day ahead of us. There is. It's only 1230. I'll be (laughs) doing it right after this, but like I, I do it every day and Yes, it's discipline, but I've I've made it devotional, right? So you can make cooking for yourself or you can make the choice to not spend the money an act of devotion to your own divinity. I'm just looking up the word discipline because I have to. What's coming up for me here in this whole conversation is my armpits are even sweating from it because me it's- too. The opposite, and I'm going to use the word addiction, but this is, addiction is so broad is what I need everyone to know before I say this. Like it could be anything. It could be fucking Netflix. It could be your phone. It could be, there's so many things we are addicted to and we just don't connect that word to it. But when you're avoiding life by being on Instagram all day, guess what? That's another addiction. Yeah. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yes. So when you are feeling like- Say it again to the people in the back. Yes. The opposite of addiction is connection. And when you are feeling, and I can say this just because I feel it every day, when you are feeling lonely, you're going to comfort yourself. And like I did it the other night, I came home from a full day, I ate all my proper meals and then I came home and it was 9.30 and I, in the moment I still ate the food, but I, I knew what I was doing in that moment. I was so aware of it. I'm like, I literally just had some olive oil with bread. I wasn't even hungry because I came home when I was alone and I was like, I'm literally just lonely right now. That's why I'm eating this fucking bread. I'm not even hungry. I think a lot of the times what we do is we pick something external to soothe that loneliness because we don't even see that it's loneliness. Yeah. We don't even notice because like, I was thinking about this the other day with my dog and I'm like, the dog just always wants to be near me because they're pack animals and they need to be connected all the time, just like we do. Yeah. And so we don't recognize that in this culture and society because we're so removed from it. But those times when you're trying to comfort yourself, if you really tune in, it's because you you feel lonely, you feel disconnected. And the things to do in those moments, yeah, you can soothe yourself and have the food. We're all going to do that. It's never going to not, that's, that's always an option. That's okay. Sometimes, but sometimes you may just need to pick up the phone and call a friend, talk for five minutes, Yeah, Maybe you just need to meditate and tune into yourself. Maybe you just need to reconnect because that's the thing that's underneath it. Nine times out of 10 for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definition of, sorry, I just got to read this because it was even just the definition. I'm like, oh, so the definition of discipline, the practice of training people to obey rules or code of behavior using punishment or correct disobedience or to correct disobedience. Oh, gross. Right? That ties That's- into what we were talking about at the beginning. And that just word just doesn't even feel good. It yeah. Just, yeah. And then here's, here's devotion. Sorry, just because I think this is so genius. Devotion, love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. That's it. Clean and simple. Beautiful. Beautiful. The truth is always clean and simple. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's because my fan is off, but I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to just maybe give... Chris, some like things that she can do. Okay. So one, 
you need to have a practice that allows you to create space and um, be able to look at what's happening in a very mindful way. So, you know, Bianca and I talk all the time about the practice of meditation. So meditation helps us create that space and just become more aware, become the observer. So that's the first thing. I would have a devoted meditation practice. Um, and then that's going to help you with your devotion to yourself with the food and the overspending, making that choice not to do it. Um, the second I thing, one thing quick, yeah, that? of course. Yeah. I think that a lot of people get really turned off when we say meditate or whatever. And listen, we didn't start meditating for an hour when we started. I don't know if you did, but I certainly didn't. All I could do was two or three minutes when I first started years ago. I couldn't do more than that. My brain was not trained. So first of all, I think we just need to like start there. If you can only get in two or three minutes and you're a beginner, take it, take it. You can't run a, 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 a million kilometer race if you're not a runner. You exactly. So I just wanted to say that because I think people get really like, oh, you guys and you're meditating and it's like, it's too hard. I can't do it. It is hard at the beginning, but you'll crave it over time. Yeah, exactly. Love that. So the second thing I would say is um, more of the, from the lens of like the f um, financial world and like behavioral science around money is to really connect to like really connect to what some of those financial goals are and have them outlined very clearly and then um, work with uh, this principle we call opportunity cost. So understand like when you're in that moment of about to spend and you have created that space. Don, can you say that again? It cut out. So say um, the moment that you're about to spend. So in that moment that you're about to spend and you've learned how to create space and slow down, then we start looking at opportunity costs by asking these questions. If I spend this money right now, what is this taking away from in the future for me? Wow. Right? I spend this money right now. What is this taking? Okay. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's one thing that we, we do when, you know, like, and she was saying this too. She's like, don't spend, don't spend. Like she's already kind of doing this, but she might want to bring in, um, her, her vision or her financial goals in that moment when she's making the decision, like really kind of connect with it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, another thing too is sometimes when we mindlessly overspend on little things like food, we, we do that because we can't really like do the mental accounting in our head of how much money we have available to put towards the item we're about to buy. And um, this happens because most people dump all their money into a, uh, one checking account and they usually, they have their bills and their spending money come out of one account. And this is actually a really bad thing to do because you can't like, behavioral scientists have studied this and they said, if you can't do the mental math of whether you can afford this or not, based on the money in your account, you're most likely going to overspend. Because when you're creating that like sense of chaos in the brain, it's amplifying those feelings that make you even want to be soothed in the first place. So like you're layering the fact that you can't even do the mental math 
in your checking account because you've got all your bills coming out of there, you're doing your spending on there, you're layering those feelings on top of the pain that you're trying to soothe in the first place. Wow. So it's like double the amount of soothing you need. So you're most likely going to make the hedonic choice and spend. So, so what would you call this step? A mental accounting. Yeah. So by simply um, understanding like how much money you want to spend per week on eating out and taking that money out of your main checking account and transferring it to like a different account, you can, there's so many co uh, companies in Canada, like Coho that does the free prepaid visa cards. So you could just transfer your food money to that card. And then you could know like, oh, I've actually only got $80 left for the whole week for eating out. So you can do the mental math. So you can easily say like, oh, I'm not going to get a latte and this because I want to get like a latte tomorrow. You know I what I mean? I love this stuff. Yeah. Amazing. It's almost like splitting up the money, getting it out of sight, out of mind. This yeah. is what I have for the week. I don't have anything else. I'm broke. This is all I have. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Yeah. So, th so those are some like really tactical things that you can do on the financial side. And then another thing that's really important that she said in her letter is she was talking about um, like almost like her brain is like grasping onto her not making the right choice. Mm -hmm. So there, there's, yeah, like we definitely need to like retrain our brain and break these patterns. So, you know, um, who, oh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he has an amazing book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And he talks a lot about this um, in that book. Well, I need to read that tonight. Yeah, it's so good. So I would really recommend uh, that she picks up that book and listens to that book because um, he has some really good strategies for this exact thing that she's talking about. Oh my God, I totally have this book. Just haven't read it. <laughs> You're one of those people too. I'm I have so, so, yeah, so many books. I'm so bad. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So. Book reco. And, and then last don't shame yourself because I always say this, shame is the gateway drug. Shame will lead to more overspending. Yeah. I, I, I shame. It's a damn shame. <laughs> it's a damn shame. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Because when you break it apart again, get down to the core of it, a lot of the times you're using and comforting and all of the stuff is because you're ashamed about something. Yeah. Something going on in the background. Yeah. Love I love these steps. I'm totally going to use these. This is amazing. <laughs> I don't understand why you haven't told me this all along. Bianca, I've told you like 10 times. You clearly don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much for uh, sending us in a letter. I love this. Yeah, me too. We need to do this again. Yes. So what we're going to do is on our Insta Instagram, we're going to leave uh, our email and just there's no deadline or anything if you guys want to submit any listener letters just shoot them over and we will um pick someone just give us permission to like share your name and stuff and we'll definitely do this again because i think it's so so helpful so, yeah i loved it anything Great. else my love no, no that's it for me okay cool thank you guys so much for listening as always and you can find me at i am bianca harris you can uh, on Insta and you can find our podcast page at WCR podcast and Sean. I met Chantel Chapman. 
And that's all, folks. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you. Big tall hills, big fat checks, big large bills. Run out, flip like 10 car wheels. Cold, cold. I give raw chills. 10 different looks, and my looks all kill. I kiss them in the mouth. I feel all grills. Heat in the car, that's no on wheels. Woo! I was born to flex. Diamonds on my neck. I like boarding jets. I like more But nothing in this world that I like more than checks. All I really want to see is the money. I don't really need a D, I need the All I back need is the money. I got pants in the coop Bussin' out the roof I got pants in the coop Touch me, I'll shoot I'll Shake a little You get a little bag and take it to the store Get a little cash You shake it real fast, you get a little more I got pants in the coop Bussin' out the roof I got pants in the coop Bussin' out the roof I got a fly, I need a jet I need room for my legs. I got a baby. I need some money. Yeah. I need teeth for my egg. All oh, y'all yeah, in trouble. Bring brass knuckles to scuffle. I heard that Cardi went pop. Yeah. They go pop. Pop. That's me busting that bubble. I'm the sign with the drip. Baby mommy with the clip. Walk out bodies with a bring her to the whip. And she find her, she think. Walking past the mirror. Boom. On my neck, I like boarding jets, I like more than sex, but nothing in this world that I like more than checks. Money. All I really wanna see is the money. I don't really need a D, I need the money. All I back need is the money. I got pants in the coop, bustin' out the roof. I got pants in the coop, touch me, I'll shoot, I'll shake a little, you get a little bag and take it to the store, money. get a little cash, money. you shake it real fast, you get a little more. Money. I got pants in the coop. Bussin' out the roof, I got pants in the coop Touch me, I'll shoot Yo, Papa, you pop Yo, Papa, whoever You know who pop the most The people who shit not together You the big cardio freak All my pajamas is leather So black on your ass Wakanda forever Sweet like a honey bun, spit like a tummy gun Roll in one on one, come get your mommy some cardio Get the tip top Kiss the ring and kick rock, sis uh, Jump it down, back it up, ooh, ayy hey, Make that nigga that too, hey. I like my dark like Dulce He gonna hit this like soup I was born to flex, diamonds on my neck I like boarding jets, I like more than But nothing in this world that I like more than culture All I really wanna see is the I don't really need a D, I need the All I bad need is a K, K, C, 